is Derek 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 Diamond 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 Experience! And welcome to the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast for Monday, September 15th, 2014. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and hopefully you all had a fantastic weekend. There was something that happened last Monday after I released uh, last week's show that was uh, fairly interesting, to say the least, if you follow sports. By now, everyone obviously knows about the Ray Rice incident where he hit his then fiance back in April, I believe. It was somewhere between February and April, but I want to say it was April. But he uh, hit his fiance while they were in a New Jersey casino elevator. And uh, things are just now coming to light about it. And initially, Ray Rice was only suspended for two games, which which was obviously a joke, and people were outraged by it, and I, I was one of them, because domestic abuse is something that should be taken very, very seriously, and it seems like the NFL and Roger Goodell, the commissioner, has just kind of attempted to sweep all of this under the rug. Why, I have no idea, but that seems to be the case. But when the video was released by TMZ last Monday... The commissioner immediately suspended Ray Rice from the NFL indefinitely, and his contract was terminated by the Baltimore Ravens. And I applaud both of them for doing that. I think it was a little late, but at least they did something, and it was the right call to make. But will Ray Rice ever play in the NFL again? I think so, but I don't think that it will be this season because... No NFL team will want to take a PR hit like that. And in my opinion, I think what Ray Rice did was disgraceful, and he should never be allowed to play professional football again, and he should be in jail for that. I mean, there's there's no excuse for doing something like that. And then over the weekend, we had another interesting NFL story happen that involved another running back, uh, Adrian Peterson from the Minnesota Vikings, who is one of the best players in the NFL that I have personally ever watched. I mean, just watching him run with such aggression and such violence was was pretty awesome because if I were a defensive player, I would not want to try and tackle Adrian Peterson. But this is kind of a update on a story that was released even farther back than the Ray Rice thing. It involved him uh, spanking his... Well, I guess spanking's not the right choice of words, but um, he basically whipped his son with a switch, tree branch, whatever you want to call it. But uh, it left a lot of really bad marks on his legs. Now, I'm for discipline, not for you know whipping or spanking or anything like that, but you you do have to punish kids when they do something wrong so that they know it's wrong. But to the effect that he went was, it was, to me, even worse than the Ray Rice thing because, yeah, hitting a woman is bad and I don't condone it at all, but they're adults and they could somewhat have the capacity to defend themselves. Uh, Children have no way to defend themselves against adults, so... I I personally, I don't know what's going to happen with him. I, I do give him a little bit of credit for turning himself in, but it's, I don't know. It, it was just, I, I think that he probably shouldn't be on the Vikings team for doing something like that. It's, I hate to say it, I really do, because I really like him as a player, but you don't, you don't do that to kids. You just don't. It's it's sickening and it's disgraceful, like I said about the Ray Rice thing. But it's, I don't know, it's just crazy. I wouldn't want to be a NFL running back right now. And even uh, Greg Hardy, the defensive lineman from the Carolina Panthers, he uh, 
he was deactivated from this past week's game because of another domestic abuse situation. So it's it's weird how now all of this stuff is coming out about NFL players. But that's really about it for all the serious stuff that's been going on. But let, let's get on to some fun things. I helped out a little bit with the commercial shoot for Pensacon this past weekend. Uh, Pensacon coming up in February and... I'm not allowed to really discuss the details of the commercial on air, but all fanboys, all geeks will love this commercial. I'll just say that the tagline for it is, When Fans Come Together. And it's going to involve a lot of people. And it's going to be super fun. I will be working on it more this weekend, and uh, I'm excited about it. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then... I had this strange incident happen in a Wendy's, and this was on the way to the commercial shoot. And I go into Wendy's, and I'm going to get a to-go order because I'm in a hurry to get to the shoot. And this couple is standing in front of me, and they're waiting on their order. At least I I assume that's what they're doing. And the girl was... uh, To say that she had no problem with public displays of affection would be a vast understatement because she kept kissing the guy and like rubbing his back and she would keep looking at me and then she would go back to talking with her boyfriend or whatever and then she'd start kissing or rubbing his back again and then she would look at me again and it it, it was kind of it kind of freaked me out a little bit and then once they got their order Well, I should back up a little bit. The guy got his order and then sat down, and the girl paid for hers separately, which I I have no issue with that. I just thought it was a little strange that, you know, a couple would buy their own separate meals, but that's just me. So I place my order, and I turn around to, like, look out the window or whatever, and I see this couple sitting down, and the girl, to say that, uh, well, I'll say it like this, she was uh, rubbing something that shouldn't be rubbed on a guy in a public place, and of course she, for some reason, kept looking at me, and I, I don't know, it was just weird, it was really, really weird, I mean, she she was smoking hot, but it was still, still kind of weird, and before we move on to our guest this week, Um, I wanted to give you guys an update on more guests we'll be having over the next several weeks. Uh, We'll be having Anne-Marie Crouch from AMC Talent, who has been mentioned several times on this show. I'm really looking forward to uh, hearing her story about how she started AMC Talent. And she was also on the uh, Power Rangers show, and I'm definitely going to be asking her about that. Uh, We'll be having Adam Waldron again. He's been on a couple of times uh, for his band, the Unicorn Wranglers, but he's also the creative service manager for the Pensacola Blue Wahoos and someone that I've worked with quite a bit, to say the least, uh, since January. So we'll be telling some fun uh, Wahoo stories, some more, uh, some other fun work stories and things like that. So that one will be a fun one to do. I'll be having another person from the Blue Wahoos, uh, Michael Taylor, who is also a former college kicker from Troy University, and it'll be fun to talk football with him. Uh, In two weeks, we'll be having WEAR weatherman Christian Garman, uh, Blue Wahoos MCs Maverick and Downtown Dave, and film director Jack Thomas Smith, who I've been communicating with over Twitter the last couple of days. He has a horror-slash-found-footage film called Infliction that is currently available on iTunes, Amazon, and really any kind of video-on-demand program you can find. And I'll be having him on sometime in the next couple of weeks, so that's going to be a fun one. But my guest this week comes from the Pensacola Blue Wahoos and WEAR Channel 3. His name is Josh Gay, He is an account executive from WEAR Channel 3, and he's also the Blue Wahoos PA announcer, who is the one who 
will announce players as they're lining up to bat. You know, he'll be like, oh, now batting number 25, Travis Mater. So he's a really fun guy to talk to. He's always got fun stories to tell. And I thought it would be fun to have him on the show to tell his story. And he's been with the Wahoo since the beginning. And he told a couple of stories that I had never even heard of, especially from the first season. So it's really, really fun. Um, A lot of laughs. I think you guys will love it. So sit back and listen to this awesome conversation I had with Josh Gay. And we are back on the Derek Diamond experience with my very special guest this week, WEAR Channel 3 account executive and PA announcer for the Pensacola Blue Wahoos, Mr. Josh Gay. Josh, how you doing? I am doing wonderful, Derek. How are you? And this is great to be experiencing the experience. I know. It's... It's fun. He's, I've wanted to get you on the show for a while because you're a really fun guy to talk to and everything, and you've always got some interesting stories to tell. So. Well, I, I appreciate it. I just needed somebody to tell them to other than my wife. She's sick of them. So. <laughs> well, you've got an open forum here. So. Oh, nice. Uh, first thing I wanted to ask you, uh, are you from Pensacola? I am. I'm born and raised. Um, actually, my family's an old family from Pensacola. been here for years. Um, I tried to escape. Uh, I'm sure anybody who's from here knows the whole experience. You go through high school. This town's too small for me. I got to get out. I tried to to leave, go to Tallahassee, tried to spend some time in Key Largo, but uh, this place sucks you back in, and it's I wouldn't have it any other way. It's fantastic here. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I've heard. I mean, I'm from outside of Pensacola, but you know the area kind of it kind of keeps you here no matter how hard you you try to get out. Yeah, I remember. Uh, coming back from a uh, dive trip right, right after I moved he- moved back here, and I was still kind of torn about whether I should be back here or not, and uh, I had this fantastic day out on the water. Coming back, I'm on the boat, there's dolphins jumping next to the boat. You can see both you know, Fort McRae and Fort Pickens in this beautiful white sand, and no crap, a blue angel flies right overhead, and I'm like, where did I go? This is it. This, this there is nothing better. And I have to remind myself of that sometimes when when Pensacola gets stupid. But uh, I just go back to that happy place of ah, I went diving. There's dolphins. There's blue angels. There's sand. Ah, it's wonderful. So uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. Sweet. Yeah. Sweet. So um, were you always interested in like the water growing up, or what? What were some things that you were into growing up? Like so, when I was a kid, like. I really, I grew up on the water. My parents lived on the the same bayou that my dad's great-grandfather lived on. So we were just there in the water, raised on the water, fishing, diving, swimming. That was just what we did. Um, right. So that was kind of the 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 precipice for me getting into to scuba and that sort of thing. Now, other stuff, yeah, I was like any other kid. I was into the, like Ninja Turtles and wrestling and, and that sort of thing. Um and I've always like had a weird interest in politics too. So that was like as a kid. Yeah. So yeah, like strange. Really? I was uh, in third grade. I wanted to be a lawyer. Like and that's what I wanted to be in third grade. I knew that's what I wanted to be. And I remember, I'm trying to think of how old I was. It was like second or third grade. I insisted on going trick or treating as George Bush. Like and that's I, awesome. Oh yeah, like, <laughs> and it was so funny too because you know, all my other friends were like, "I'm gonna be the ultimate warrior and I'm gonna you know be Darth Vader," and I'm like, "I'm gonna be George Bush." No new taxes, and so that's yeah, it had been strange, it was strange interest as a kid. Uh, you could have had some fun if you had went as Ross Perot instead. Well, like I'd actually talked about doing that, but there were no Ross Perot masks at the time. So like I had like That's surprising. The, I had the little kid suit and the George Bush mask going and it was it was great. Uh I can picture that. That's oh, yeah. that's awesome. It was fantastic. So growing up watching wrestling, who like who were some of your favorites? Yeah, I was huge into the Rockers. Marty Jannetty and Shawn mm-hmm. Michaels. Yep, they were huge. Them. Yeah, they were fun to watch. Right. And then after the uh the incident on uh Brutus the Beefcake's barber shop where Shawn Michaels kicked uh Jannetty through the window, um, that's when I kind of changed my allegiance to uh, Brett the Hitman Hart I'm from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, with those glasses and that hot pink everything. and The best there is, the best there was, and yep. the best there ever will be. And the greasiest hair you've ever seen. Yep. 
I think he still has the greasy hair. I looked up a picture of him. It was, oh, it's awkward. Yeah, he's he is not aged very well. No. Which, you know, he actually had a stroke uh, back in 2002, 2003. It doesn't like surprise that. me. With all those wrestlers from that era, they're dead, dying, or, you know, the roids. It'll get you. Yeah, which, if you think about it, he's probably recovered a lot better than some stroke victims because he can walk without any problem. I mean, you you can tell a little bit when he makes certain facial expressions when he talks now, but huh. I mean, for he's recovered fairly well from it. Oh, good for him. I'd yep. love to I'd love to uh, see a video of him. I've uh, only read little snippets, you know, just because I've just now started getting back into reading wrestling stuff. I yeah, took a hiatus. You, you actually went to high school with the Uso brothers and uh, Roman Reigns. I, is, I didn't know that until you told me a little while ago. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, they, you know, it was so funny because they were, they were great guys. They all played football and, you know, we all kind of joked with them because they did have a wrestling family at the time. Yeah. Uh, Rikishi was, uh, was, was the dad big, there. Big star back in the late 90s. Yeah. And actually Yokozuna was their uncle, mm-hmm. the yep. big sumo wrestler guy. And like the the day that it really clicked that they were related to really like wrestling royalty is when their uncle Yoko died. They had like the custom made T-shirts made, you know, we miss you, uh, you know, Uncle Yokozuna, and you're like, what? Whoa, you really are those guys. And then I guess the Rock is their cousin, mm-hmm. and so it's just this huge wrestling family. And uh, I didn't really know how big they'd made it until just flipping through the channels the other day, and I. I see Roman Reigns, and I'm like, I played football with that guy. What the heck? You know, and so uh, that actually is what got me back kind of watching a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, getting back into the the WWE. It's actually, to me, it is better scripted reality show than most of the other. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because they know what they are. Yeah. And that, that I like that. I, I look at it as a form of theater. It honestly. is. And it actually takes you back to that, like, old vaudevillian type, like, mm-hmm like variety show type thing because now it really is they have you know the cat fights they have the drama they have you know the very obvious heel you know it's this classic story arc for yep. everything and i love it there's no you know they have the twists and turns but it's never this trying to get so complex that they lose sight of being fun so yeah i kind of like it yeah and well speaking of the usos we actually had them for WWE night at the Wahoo Stadium and that I remember when we found out they were going to be there, and John was like, hey, let's just do a full WWE night. I just stood up, and I went, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, it was so funny, because when we first started announcing that, you could see people in the stands going, who cares? You know, because you could tell that there's a lot of people that are still going, oh, man, wrestling, what? you know. But when they were there, they, they were fun. They worked the crowd better than oh. anybody we've had there. And I'm I'm including any of the traveling acts or anything. The Usos worked the crowd and were more exciting in just their first pitch than anybody else in that stadium has ever been. And that to me, that told me a lot about what wrestling is. I mean, it really is, like you said, theater. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they like you said, they worked the crowd great. You could tell they were happy to be there. And that that to me was very infectious yeah. to everybody because everybody started to get into it and they had the meet and greet session which yeah. went over really well and everything and it it was one of the more fun theme nights that we did. Right and again we also we don't make enough of a, a big deal about some of the local folks like those guys being from here. I mean you talk to people all the time they may know who those guys were in high school. I'm not going to give away their real names in case people Go, but they may not know who those guys were. They may, hey, I knew so-and-so, but I don't know who Roman Reigns is. Mm-hmm. No, Roman Reigns is that guy who played football at, at Catholic in Escambia. I mean, like, that's that's who these people are, you know? Yeah. They're, they're neighbors. Yeah. That's what I like about Pensacola. We're all neighbors. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned that you wanted to be a lawyer when you were in second or third grade. Did you end up going to college to be a lawyer? I did. Actually, uh, when I went to college, I, so I ended up going to four different institutions. So I have credits from uh, Ohio State, Tallahassee Community College, Pensacola Junior College, now State College, and then uh, Florida State. Um, long story about going to Florida State involved a chick, yeah, whatever, but... The whole goal was I was a, uh, a political science and a religion major, and mm-hmm. we had a, a recruiter from either CIA or FBI. 
come in and he's like, we need lawyers with all the stuff that's going on in the Middle East. We need people who can figure out, you know, mesh American law and Shia law, the, the Muslim, you know, the type faith based law. So I immediately said, this is it. That's what I want to do. I came from a, a Catholic school that also encouraged you to learn other religions because they wanted you to be kind of a, as broad based as possible. Right. So sure. I, I went to college, poli sci and, uh, and religion started off concentrating on, uh, on the, uh, the middle East. And then, you know, had, had that, that early life crisis and, uh, the wheels went off from there. And that's, uh, that's actually how I became a scuba instructor. I, um, I got accepted to law school mm-hmm. and freaked out. Staring at something that tells you what you're going to be doing for the next several years, it gave me like a little bit of a rude awakening. And so I went the complete opposite direction. And uh, I was working at a dive shop at the time. I'm like, yeah, it's just what I'm going to do from now on. So there you go. No lawyer. No no Josh uh, in, in the courtroom. Sometimes I still wish I could, though, you know. <laughs> that that would be interesting to see. Oh yeah, sure. Josh Gay the lawyer. It would be uh it'd be more theatric than law though. <laughs> I, I can say that. I'd hire sponsorships. And I'd sell sponsorships to the Josh Gay like closing arguments. <laughs> uh I can picture that honestly. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. First, I'd like to tell you, if any of you guys are stressed out, t- choose some Rolades. They're gonna help with the stomach acid. Rolades, they're cheap, they're fantastic, they always work. And so now, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, yeah, so it, it, that would, that's how it would work. I don't know if, uh, if the people would go for that, though. Do you have a broken windshield? Check out Lloyd's <laughs> Auto Glass. Did this criminal behind me, is he the guy who broke into your house? And you know what? He probably also broke some windshields. Check out Lloyd's Auto Glass on North Palafox Street. They'll get that free box of really good steaks and dinner tonight. <laughs> I think I could say that whole read in my sleep. It's got. It's to that point now. It's it's really sad because some of the reads haven't changed in the the three years, mm-hmm. and so certain things. But some of them are iconic though, like the Lloyd's one. Right, the Lloyd's has actually become something where, depending on what section you're in, if you're in a section in the stadium with some some guys who've been around for a while, a foul ball will go out, and you'll literally hear the crowd go Lloyd's. <laughs> I'm like, that's awesome. But it's funny because I can't go certain businesses. Select physical therapy is one that if I see them anywhere, that that whole read goes into my head. Yep. And I, I immediately, if I'm in my car by myself, I have to do the read. It's not, it, it just, it's it's crazy. And Whether you're a professional athlete or a weekend warrior. That's right. Yeah, that's it. And, you know, and it's funny, after I had uh, ankle surgery, I, I just, I remembered... I'm sitting there going, oh, man, where do I want to go for physical therapy? And I was like, ah, you can call them at 477-6966 or check them out on the web at selectphysicaltherapy.com. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to do that. <laughs> yeah, was, there you go. That was it. I did that for plumbing, too. I was like, ah, air design. Have you ever been out like at a restaurant or something and somebody might recognize your voice and they ask you to to do that? <laughs> Once or twice, Maybe. The biggest thing is at a party when somebody like will introduce me, um, they'll go, oh, I recognize that. And then they'll automatically put me on the spot and they'll go announce something. My mom is terrible at that too. I'll meet somebody for the first time. She's like, oh, announce something. What do you want me to announce? But I'm sitting here. I'm, you know, I'm on the couch having a beer. What do you want me to do? But yeah, when I go to you know, different events and, and, and different like, social settings i'll introduce myself and it's really funny because i'm really proud of my job at channel three and i'll tell them what i do there and they're like okay that's cool and yeah and also you know i'm in the announcer at the blue wahoos (gasps) that's you and i'm like yeah that that's me lloyd's autoglass you know (laughs) it's kind of funny if i were single i would definitely use it as a pickup line oh absolutely oh yeah It, it would it wouldn't work as well as the dolphin trainer one that i used to use but uh yeah, <laughs> guys, if you're listening out there, or girls, if you're listening out there, Dolphin Trainer. Nothing is more sensitive than Dolphin yeah, Trainer. That, that is a good point. It'll work. Seville. Thursday nights. Yeah. There you go. Seville. Now, did you do any PA work before you started working with the Wahoos? Funny enough, no. Um, now, saying that, 
growing up, I was always the kid who any event, anything that was going on at school, they made me read. Mm-hmm. And my mom and I were actually talking the other day about having one of our little Christmas plays or whatever when we were kids. And I was the only one that they gave any lines to. Everybody else just kind of acted out. And I read this whole spiel. And, it, you know, when you're a kid, you don't think of it. But my mom said, no, you were the only one that could read all of it. And I went, I went to a Catholic school the whole, my whole life. And back in the early days, they were a little more heavy handed with things. So if you got in trouble, I had a teacher that would pick you up and move you to this room and tell you to read out of the Bible. You're four years old. You know, reading is not, and this is not some kid Bible. This is the Bible. Mm -hmm. So they're making you read out of it and you'd have to explain what you were reading to it to get out of time out. And so I guess doing that, I just, I've always been able to public speak and I'd always joked about doing the Wahoos or doing, uh, the ice flyers or anything like that. I I never did. Um, but yeah, every, every speech or anything they wanted you to do, the announcements, high school announcements, uh, that was me had to do them. You know, Mm -hmm. they, Hey Josh, you're the guy. And you know, Hey, we have to accept an award. Call Josh. Make him write a speech. So mm-hmm. it was uh, it was something that when it came time for the uh, the tryouts, um, I was sitting there on the couch and I joked and joked and joked about being the Wahoo's announcer. And I'm sitting there having a beer on the couch, watching TV. I have Twitter up. Mm-hmm. And my Twitter is just full of baseball players. I mean, I'm obsessed with baseball. That's kind of my my sport. And I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, this Blue Wahoos thing comes up and said, hey, we're having these open tryouts for national anthem singers and that sort of thing. And I see PA announcers. And I, I kind of was like, yeah, you know what? Why not? So I jumped in the shower, ran to the mall, and it it's so funny because... You think about it, you're like, I'm doing a PA announcer tryout in the middle of a mall in this pseudo-American Idol experience right. type thing. So I go to the mall. That's interesting that it was at the mall. Yeah, food court. Middle of the food court. And so, and it was packed. I mean, it was packed. And they had been doing these tryouts all day. And there were people there just to watch these tryouts, mm-hmm. which was mind-boggling. So I show up, I sign up, and uh, they hand me a script. And they go, hey, you're going to go on in like 15 minutes. Oh, okay. Go up on stage, read my script, go through it. And uh, Tommy Thrall was actually hosting it. And that was actually one of Tommy's first, I, I guess, official gigs as the the Blue Wahoos radio guy. Right. So he was the host. He was there. He's just talking. And uh, he, he you know, kind of asked me, hey, have you ever done this before? No, no. No big deal. Never done it. Just decided to come up. And uh, the three judges, one of them told me I was terrible. The other told me I was even worse. And another one said, no, hey, you're great. But I walk off stage and there's two people from the Wahoos, uh, Andrew Dembski and uh, Julie Borshak. And they were both there and they're like, hey, we'd like to offer you a job. That was sweet. That was floored. So I had never done it in my life. I was terrified on opening night. Um, Right before the game, I was handed... uh, a whole thank you Pensacola that was 12 pages. Hey, read this. Huh? (laughs) Wow. So that, it was nerve wracking, but that has been the most fun I've ever had is sitting in that press box, watching baseball. Hey, they even pay you. Yeah. You get paid to watch baseball. That's it. And occasionally I have to talk. Well, when I'm watching baseball, occasionally I talk. So there you go. So it's like being at home. That's it. Just no beer. And yeah, but uh, what were some of the highlights from that first season? Like I've heard stories from Adam and other people saying that the first year was a lot different than years two and three. So, well, the like, fir- from your perspective, what were the they like? first year we were number one. Everybody was still figuring everything out, and understandable. You, you were you were figuring out personalities too, um, and management styles and that sort of thing. And you were seeing where people didn't fit in, and people clashed, and it didn't didn't work out. But to me, that first season, all I noticed were those big baseball events. And so we had the no-hitter. 
uh, Daniel Corsino and uh, uh, De La Rosa combined for a no-hitter. That was the first time I remember actually like losing my composure on the mic, and I didn't care. I just yelled, mm-hmm. and it, it was it was fantastic. And then you know you had Billy Hamilton um, breaking court- the stolen base record, right? And that was just incredible. We we had so much pomp and circumstance too for everything. And anytime we did something, the fireworks shows, the fireworks, that was the first time Pensacola had had this professional production related to something other than the 4th of July of a fireworks display or the Blue Angels flying over the stadium. Sure, you see the Blues fly every week, but having them fly over this brand new stadium on the water, there was just something about that. It, it was special. Made, it made us feel big. Right. So that first year, to me, it was these big moments because I guess I was still figuring out everything, you know? Mm-hmm. So that, it, it was a great year, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad we've kind of evolved after that. Yeah. So. What about some highlights from uh, seasons two and three? So to me, like those those two years, and this past year especially, were more about the fan experience. I I'd, I'd gotten to see you know behind the curtain, so to speak, but I finally had really understood the impact of what it is the press box does. Nobody ever sees us. Nobody ever you know interacts with us. But we can really take a boring game and making exciting for fans or Mm -hmm. for people who don't like baseball, we can, you know, we can bring them enjoyment for coming out to the ballpark. Right. And so to me, these last two years, the big highlights were actually the stuff we did for the fans and the fan experience and the fans reaction to those experiences, because ultimately I'm a fan Mm -hmm. and being at the stadium like that and seeing people, want to spend their hard-earned money and their hard-earned time at this ballpark mm-hmm. and knowing that, you know what, the baseball product always isn't the best. It's minor league baseball after all. Knowing that that's not the star of the show and knowing that the entire ballpark experience is, that's what stood out. And this last year, I feel like like we were running on all cylinders. Yes, we make mistakes. We, we look at things and go, ah, oh, we could have done that better. But ultimately, if you go to any other minor league stadium in the country, and some of the major league stadiums, our production's better. And I'm proud of that. So that's really, to me, the baseball has taken the back seat to what the fans experience now. So, um, although I'd, I'd love to see some more stolen base records or no hitters or oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. four home run games, that sort of thing. But yeah. just, just saying Cincinnati Reds, if you're listening, you know. <laughs> Wouldn't be bad if Joey Votto like sprained something just so minor, but you had to send him down just for a couple of weeks. Oh, that'd be so fun. Just saying, just saying. Now Miguel Tejada, that was fun. The com- I actually wasn't there for that. Oh man, the comeback try for a forty-plus-year-old guy who, you know, former MVP mm-hmm. who had been caught up in the the steroid thing, and seeing him try to come back. That was, it was surreal because number one, I'm announcing a guy who as a childhood, I had his baseball card mm-hmm. and the same thing goes for, uh, uh, Delano to shields, but having the baseball card of someone and then announcing them, that's just crazy. And seeing like the few things that, okay, yeah, he'd slowed down that sort of thing. But every now and then he'd rip a foul ball or something and you go, Oh, that's why that guy was an MVP. And so that was that was one of the highlights, I guess, from this last year. And what's funny is most of the people didn't really realize who he was, mm-hmm. except for the the diehards. Most of them heckled him anyway, but that was <laughs> funny too. Yeah, I was actually I was out of town when that whole thing happened, but I, I remembered hearing all about it and everything. So that was that was pretty crazy. Yeah, I I, I actually wish he would have made it. They ended up cutting him. The Marlins organization did, but mm-hmm. uh, like after seeing him really try the the comeback i really like kind of wanted to cheer for him i wanted to see him be that comeback story the guy who survived the steroid era and became yeah. a a a decent player that one last time so mm-hmm. yeah kind of something romantic about it you know yeah i remember for me the whole wahoo's experience was different because i went to 
one game the first year. It was, I think, the last homestand. I went like as a fan, just completely as a fan. And I, I remember really enjoying the experience. I remember specifically Mav and Dave, how they would get the crowd into the game and everything. And those guys are fantastic, too. Yeah, they are really, really good at what they do. And then second year, I just ran camera, so I was just in my little hole. I ran camera yeah. once, and you are – you don't realize anything else that's going on. You have to. You look in this one little viewfinder, and that is your the world. Whole time, yeah. And the games actually move very, very quickly when you're on camera because all you're doing is pitcher, batter, pitcher, batter, runner, runner, batter, pitcher. Next thing you know, huh? Nine innings. Yep. All right. <laughs> yep. Pretty much. So, it, yeah, that was nuts. So, but you go ahead. Going from. Uh, you know, just a fan to actually getting to do a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff was was really fun. And see, for me, I have the other experience because I I worked 62 games that first year. And the only games I took off at the beginning were just because of my work schedule or... Because or, you're also a season ticket holder. I right? am a season... T- well, that year I was a mini plan holder. Okay. Um, now I'm a season ticket holder. I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, my mom and my wife used that... Uh, before my wife got pregnant, they were they were drinking buddies. I'm sorry for telling on you, Mom and Alexa. But, uh, yeah, they, they'd go to the games and drink. And, like, it's actually really funny when I show up as a fan. Mm-hmm. My mom and wife are like, hey, you're, you're really bringing this down for us. You're Go, go back <laughs> up there. But the first year, I only got to go to, like, one or two games as a fan. And, honestly, the whole time, all I was doing is running over what – was going on in the show. Like mm-hmm. I'm sitting there saying to myself, ah, yeah, hot dog toss is coming up next. Yeah. That's all I was doing. And so now I've actually gotten to let go of that and I can enjoy a game as a fan. Mm-hmm. And man, I had a blast. I, the last game I got to go to as a uh, fan, it was the night the lights went out. And if you, if you weren't there, we had one little bank of lights go out and they kind of paused the game and all of a sudden all of the lights go out. Yeah. And uh, uh, I'm sure in the press box, you guys were panicked. You're trying oh, to figure, abs- absolutely. You're trying to figure out things to do. You're trying to figure out what announcements to make and all that other stuff. And for me, I was just having a blast. I was sitting there just watching what you guys were putting on. I was listening to the fans heckle the 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 whoever was running the lights and make fun of the umps. And I realized that that's I, I guess that was like that epiphany for me that really the press box yeah. really does change the entire mood. And yeah, that, that's also when I was like, ah, I'm so glad I didn't have to be. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it takes 15 minutes for the lights to warm back up. Yeah. I'm glad I wasn't doing that. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a little hectic that night to say the least. And you know what though, as a fan, it looked so smooth. You guys played so many fun videos and, I was there with my niece and nephew and my brother, sister-in-law, my wife. They were all laughing, having a good time. They could have cared less that those lights went out. Mm -hmm. And that's, to me, this weird dichotomy of being up there in that box. Mm -hmm. And it is stress. Some games, it is never-ending. It starts the minute you walk in. Our script is torn up. I know, Derek, you've you've <laughs> fought that all year. <laughs> Derek has the quest for the uh, perfect script. I did get it. He got I one got the it. final yep. game of the year. It took me 70 games to do it. But. Yeah, so Derek preps our script, and uh, there's always either something that's wrong that <clears throat> Derek <clears throat> that I overlook or, or mistype. Yeah, um, individually wrapped uh, sheets. <laughs> That's a little inside <laughs> joke there, guys. I, I was planning on bringing that up. This, this is from what we like to call Black Sunday, because this day was terrible. It was. And you had to read a, it was the Whataburger USO read, and from different homestands you could bring like different things. Like one, you could bring like microwavable uh, items. And then the last one was individually wrapped sweets. And I was in such a hurry that I put wrapped sheets well and actually one of the week before they were asking for blankets sheets that sort of thing basically they were putting together care packages if i'm not mistaken for the troops overseas and so what they were doing is trying to get all the fans to bring one thing this week one thing next well like you were saying you got in a hurry and i'm sitting there in the middle of this read and again if you're ever a pa announcer 
at least read it before you yeah. read it out loud. Because I'm sitting there, I'm halfway through the read, and I go, and so please bring individually wrapped sheets. <laughs> and at that point, I undid my my mute button, and I said some obscenities, and I'm like, yeah. what in the heck? And they're like, snacks, cookies, just individually wrapped snacks, sweets. Excuse me. <laughs> and it was funny because, you know, it happens. And that actually yeah, yeah, ultimately yeah. is on my on me for not reading it. But we have to give Derek a hard time because Derek left the individually wrapped sheets into yeah. the, the script. I felt terrible <laughs> after that. The, the moment of redemption came for me when I actually heard someone use the term individually wrapped sheets. I remember you telling me about that. So yeah. it was for weeks. I was sitting there like down about black Sunday because we, we did, we messed up everything. Everything got changed. Of course, you know, the fans stuff had broke. Yeah. Oh yeah. Everything was, breaking. that was an awful day. It was terrible. And we beat ourselves up over it. And, uh, I was actually at work and a couple of, uh, my coworkers were talking about bringing their kids to summer camp. Mm-hmm. And there was an argument over, they actually had to have their sheets in like see-through bags labeled with their name. And the woman was yelling about how she didn't have, or she was like, how could I forget the individually wrapped sheets? And I'm like, <laughs> ah, it exists. Yeah. And so that's when Black Sunday, to me, just, it moved on. But uh, before that, I was I was caught up on it. So, yeah. Yeah, I I was too. <laughs> I, was, I, I was I was mad at myself for a couple of days over that. I think I was more mad about that day than Adam was. Yeah, and you know you can Adam gets more disappointed. He gets slumps. more depressed. I get more pissed. Yeah, and if you have never seen a fired up Derek Diamond, especially with this mane of hair he's growing, my Hugh Jackman look. Yeah, he's he is the Wolverine, and and he pretty much goes into berserker mode. And it's so funny because up until that point, Derek will be fairly quiet. You won't hear much of Derek in the press box. He'll just be there kind of watching, and all of a sudden you'll just hear this, and he tries to hold it in, too. It's like, and he just he loses it, and you really have to watch out because I am convinced he is an X-Man. Sorry. <laughs> um, a couple of funny things I remember from uh, from this past year. The two that really stand out to me was the jazz flute on Anchorman Night <laughs> with one of my future guests, Christian Garman. Sorry, I have to plug that. Oh, he owned it, too. Oh, yeah, he did. Both him and Bob Solarski. And then the night that we were supposed to have the little robot for the Roach Run, and it broke, <laughs> and then Dave's like, it's Chase the MC, and then he just takes off running, and then the kids come out of the gate, and they run after him. We, we were dying and there that night, there was a a picture, and if you can find it, Michael Spooniebarger takes a lot of the photos for the Wahoos. If you can find it on the Facebook, I don't remember the date, but go on there, look in the Wahoos Facebook. There is a picture of Dave with this huge grin. Yeah. Like, it's an incredible picture. These kids running after him, and he is just in full on run, and he didn't miss a beat. No. And if you don't mind, I'll actually tell a little story about Dave. I'm oh, gonna, absolutely. And I, again, I hope Dave doesn't hear this. And if he does, I apologize. There are two actually going back to the first year, two Dave stories. The first year, I think. Yeah. That stuck out to me. And Dave, as a performer, like he's this wing it guy and mm-hmm. he just has this energy and he, Wings it. It's like even with, say, the vision challenges, he doesn't want to know what they are. Right. Because he he's the, I'm going to do it when I show up. And see, whereas I think Maverick, I think he takes it more as like, hey, this is a role I'm playing. He takes it real seriously. And he he likes to know what he's doing. And it's, it's really funny because they're both awesome. And they both have these two completely different approaches. Well, Dave, the first year, we kind of had to play this little game of where's Dave. And that also started the really paying attention to the, the the shortened scripts and putting on there where everybody should be. We had these little one pieces of paper that we'd hand out to all the, the flight squatters to know where you go. And we'd always jokingly play the Where's Dave game. And a lot of times Dave may, and 
Dave would be in the crowd interacting, having fun, starting chants, singing happy birthday, which that's fantastic. But occasionally there would be a, a giveaway or a contest Dave needed to be a part of. And there was one that stuck, that stuck out. We were doing a beach ball challenge, mm-hmm. but it was a night that we were doing it in addition to something else we did for that sponsor. So this was an unsponsored game. There was not going to be a prize. We were just doing it. I think I know what story you're talking oh, yeah. about. So they're they're batting these balls around, and we had discussed it in pregame that there was no prize. And we get to the end, and Dave, there's these two kids. These They must have been 9 and 10 years old. They're holding the beach ball. Dave's right there with the microphone, and he goes, you've just won a two-night stay, and you can see this oh crap face because there is no two-night stay. And he just goes, at Uncle Dave's house. And so we, we razzed him because it was funny. It was great. But he did he did give away a two-night stay to two young children to Uncle Dave's house. Yeah. And then the other one, we had pirate night. And it was a rain out. Or it was not a rain out. It was a rain delay. And we were playing the Mobile Bay Bears. And Adam had actually worked on a graphic where we did this trivia. And it was about Pensacola Mobile Baseball. And if you got the question right, the Bay Bears mascot walked the plank. And if you got all three right, he was at the end of the plank, and he would, you know, Kazoo would push him off the plank, and he'd, he'd, you, you defeated the Bay Bear. And in this rain delay, a lot of times you have to fill, you have to find things to do. So you bring stuff that was supposed to happen later in the game, and you said, hey, let's just go ahead and do it now. So we decided to do the Bay Bears trivia right now Mm -hmm. and we had thought everybody was involved and we thought everybody knew what was going on and we even had adam as the contestant and he was ready to go so we just went ahead and went with the contest and i send it down to dave and there's no dave you don't see dave and i'd kind of do the dave where are you and all of a sudden you hear him turn on his mic oh that's right josh we're here to, it's pirate night, uh, it's wet, and um, so what? what is a pirate's favorite restaurant? Anybody know? No? Arby's. <laughs> and so Dave <laughs> proceeds to tell corny pirate jokes, and he oh, owned it. Wow. And he owned it, and everybody was into it. And like, I guess that's a great example of everybody knew upstairs what went wrong. The fans didn't, you know, they, they just saw yeah. Dave being crazy. And so that is like the genius of the improv of Dave. Now, granted, you're still playing the where's Dave game, but God, Dave had this, this wonderful pirate jokes that he just <laughs> had no idea what was, what he was supposed to be doing. And you know what? He turned on the mic and owned it. Yeah. <laughs> so it was great. I'll have to ask him about that. Cause I'm at some point I'm going to have him and Mav. Nice. As well. The so. dynamic duo together. Yeah. Oh yeah. That'd be great. Yep. I I will be tuned into that one. Yeah, that that one's going to be a fun one. But yeah, the uh there's been so many fun stories. This it's just great. But yeah. Um your job at Channel 3, um I actually didn't even know your formal title until we started recording, but what exactly is it that you do with Channel well, 3? So, an account executive is basically a media sales rep. Um and so in short, I sell commercials. I sell airtime. And we actually have a little, like, an elevator pitch. And if you're in any career, if you work for yourself, always have one in your back pocket, an elevator pitch. And that's for if somebody comes up and says, hey, what do you do? You want to be able to come across as, eh, not, well, I just sell ads. So, like, mine is, I use the massive reach of broadcast television and the targeted touch of digital marketing to find local businesses, new clients. What that means in a nutshell is basically I go to local businesses. I work with them. I learn as much as I can about their business and what problems their business may have. Not enough customers, not reaching the right people, not selling enough widgets. They're selling wrenches, but not widgets. And so I use marketing and I use, uh, I actually do a lot of research and figure out like what would be a good financial return on investment for him. And I put together a package for him. And so I really, 
I work with local businesses to help them with their marketing plans. And that's awesome. It's fun because I get to learn about just about every business out there. Mm -hmm. Now, the other side of my job is you'll watch your local television station. You're going to see the local commercials. You're going to see the car dealers. You're going to see the, the local lawyers, but you also see all the fast food chains and you see some of the bigger brands. And some of those commercials are also represented by account executives like myself. And so for them, my job is negotiating. They want to get the best deal. They want to get the best bang for their buck. And so their whole goal is to buy your ads and your marketing as cheap as they can. And of course, my goal is the opposite. And so uh, about half my job is sitting there negotiating with someone who is tasked with buying media for a fast food chain or a national insurance company or something like that. So the, I guess the cool thing about my job, the, the coolest thing, and I tell people this all the time, is you do. You get to learn about so many things. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the other day I came into work and somebody had to completely change all of what they were doing. They had to push back all their advertising because of a chicken shortage. And a chicken shortage. So, of course. Interesting. Yeah. I know. My eyebrow goes up. I go on Google. And apparently we've bred sterile chickens. And I had to spend this entire day at work fixing things because of sterile chickens. So that's the beauty of my job is I don't know what I'm going to be doing from one day or the other. It makes for an interesting story to tell, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Sterile chickens. You know? <laughs> but, I mean, like I may be dealing with a plumber one day. And so mm -hmm. I need to know what things are going on in the world of plumbing. You know, what's changed? What, you know, how much money do they make off somebody per call? How do they profit? What are they looking for? You know, uh, I know you'd, uh, you'd kind of asked me about some of the folks that I represent. And uh, just out of fairness, I don't want to mention any of them. Right. By name, yeah. Yeah. But like, you know, I do, I have several quick serve restaurants. They don't like the term fast food. They're quick serve. You know, mm -hmm. they, they don't like the whole fast food, greasy burger thing. Right. Um, but like I have, I actually have a couple of furniture stores. I have a lawyer. Um, I, I had a utility company, casinos, chiropractors. And it's so cool because to do my job effectively, I have to know as much about their business as they do. Mm -hmm. Or I can't even have a conversation with them. So, you know, going into someone's business and knowing <clears throat> excuse me, like that when you're talking to a funeral home, those aren't customers because that's kind of rude to even say that, you know, you, they're a necessary business and they do have to make money, but you don't ever want to call those people customers. But that yeah. entire industry refers to everyone as families. How many families did you serve? So doing stuff like that, those little research things, you go into their business and you, Ask them, well, how many families did you serve last year? And how many families did you do you want to serve? And then you, you kind of work it out. So that's that's the beauty of what I do. It's it's fun. It's stressful in the good way. And uh, I, I won't say that the pay is bad either. It's fantastic, actually. I love it. Because awesome. I'm, I'm full commission. So you do. Oh, good. You make, good. You make what you put in. And well, that's how it should be. It's, it, you know, it is capitalism at its best. And it's funny, my wife makes fun of me because every job, every hobby, everything I've ever done, I buy into it almost too much. She, you know, if she has a job, it's a job first. Then she sees the intrinsic value of it. To me, I'm not just the announcer at the Wahoos. I'm there to help bring a better experience to the fans, but not get in the way of their experience. And... I'll talk about that all night long. And she's like, hey, leave work at work. I'm like, no, I'm the announcer. Yeah. And I, I do that with everything. And I, that's why I finally discovered that for me, a commission-based business, that, that tells me everything I need to know. Because if I'm not making my money, there's a reason. And it's because I didn't buy in. So... Mm -hmm. That buy-in actually pays off, so now I can look at my wife and just kind of laugh, and you know, so it, it's pretty funny. Yeah, um, you know, not mentioning them by name, but I, you, I guess you have some clients that are involved with the Friday Night Lights. I do actually. Rivals, well, and actually, I will. I'll, I'll mention them because they're they they're 
they're a pleasure to work with, uh, the retirement planners. And that was a very eye-opening experience because to me, financial planning, that's a snoozer. You know, I mean, it, honestly, when you think about it, it's really a, you, you see these ads on TV for financial planning and it's some guy in his sixties on a sailboat and then he's golfing and then he's sitting on his porch with his wife. And that means nothing to a guy like you or me. And when you talk to financial planners, their real challenge is getting in touch with guys that are 30, 35, 40, mm-hmm. not the 65 year olds that they're showing on TV. By then, financial planning, it's more of a financial emergency than a plan. So getting to know them has been a really cool experience because we've both worked kind of hand in hand. They've taught me a lot, and I feel that I've really bought in and taught them a lot. And it's cool because now you see them part of the community. They're giving away a scholarship for Friday Night Rivals, the the football program, right. WFGX Friday nights, just just saying, replay on a Saturday morning. Shameless at, plug. At a.m. Yeah. Well, and actually, the, the ratings are good, but I, I want them better always. So Friday Night Rivals. You always want to get better. Yeah, always. Um, but it's been really cool because, again, all I knew of financial planning was those ads that I saw when I was watching golf on Sundays. Now knowing their their challenges and what they're really trying to do, it's been cool because I've I've gotten to help them become a community partner and I've gotten them to get in touch with the youth. And it's it's been really cool to see them because they're experts in their field and I, you know, patting myself on the back would hope that I'm a semi expert in my field. And it's just been really cool to see those two things mesh mm-hmm. and see this company that when you drive by their office, and th- this is part of why they're wh- who they are, they're out in pace. You drive by their office, it's a house. And you're kind of taken by that because, again, all these financial firms, they, they show you these pictures, these great towers in Chicago or whatever. No, this is a house. Now, granted, it, when you go in, it's, it, it is an office inside, but they have a couch. They have a fireplace. It's really a different feel than what I thought. So I've learned my eyes are opened. Let's put it that way to financial planning. And I, uh, again, you can get them at the retirementplanners.com. <laughs> Absolutely. Shameless plugs. Yep. What, what do you think of the, the Friday night rivals? Cause I, I thought it was a great idea to do that because local, local sports, especially football, it's huge in this area. So I think getting to, you know, go to a different school every week and broadcast a game is great. Well, there's a few things that like I learned about you know what content works. Mm-hmm. You hear a lot of people talk about all the the stuff that's like prime time, and this is me getting into the business side of what, of what I do. But you know, you you go to work and everybody's talking about what happened on The Bachelor last night. I can tell you right now that local news and local sports in this market will grab better numbers than The Bachelor. I mean, and that's that's not an exaggeration. So when you see that people really like local content, you have to give them quality local content. And, you know, you could go out there and do some sideshow, and it's local, but nobody's interested in that. So when you go back and think of what is more exciting than football and how much more local can you get than highlighting high school teams that's been really cool. And I, I was really excited when we brought it to mm-hmm. life. And then I'm also excited about how serious they're, they're, they're putting the, the idea of the production behind it. Yeah. And they still have some hiccups, of course. Every, you know, anything the first time they do it is going to. But the crew out there has been phenomenal in bringing this brand new product with brand new equipment that we've, most of the people have never seen and you go to a high school, and it's really funny because I've gotten to go to the first two games we've done, and I've gotten to stand around the sidelines and, and kind of see what's going on. To see the kids when they run out on the field, and they see six cameras there, and they see the guy there that you know, we call him the red hat, but the guy who goes out on the field for a commercial timeout, and to see this pomp and circumstance and then see them that much more fired up because I'm on TV. 
That's awesome. Yeah. And so I've just been floored by it. And I knew it was a good idea. But man, I I just I'm I'm proud of being a part of that. And it's it's funny because I wasn't supposed to be at the last game. And I kinda asked, Can I come volunteer? Can I come help out? Mm-hmm. And it was just it was fun. It's fun to be a part yeah. of something that genuinely, number one, does good for the community. I genuinely believe this is a good thing for the community, but I also believe that it's just fun. Who, who doesn't want to see their kid or their nephew on TV? You know, it, I wish we would have had it when I was in high school because I remember when I was playing football in high school, like if you, if you made it on prep football final, that was it. Like, Oh man. And I remember I had a couple of plays my junior year that made it. And I remember Dan Shugart, saying on the offensive tackle there made a hole and I was just ecstatic. Yeah. And now to be able to bring a whole game, that whole experience with a professional broadcast crew, especially with having Tommy and Chad on board. Yeah. Those guys, they're, they're above their pay grade. Let's put it that way. Yeah. They're both really good. Tommy Thrall from the Wahoos and uh, Chad Brilliante from uh, ESPN radio. They bring another level of, authenticity to the the broadcast because again they're just they're good at what they do and so it's just I wish I would have had that when I was a kid because I'm so jealous I just want to run out there and and play football (laughs) and my my friends though they'll make fun of me because I was also a cheerleader so they'll be like oh you just want to go back out there and do flips no I I miss getting in there and uh and and blocking a guy and having the trenches that's it man I I miss getting getting nasty in there it's funny you mentioned uh, Tommy and Chad because the first week I was doing the score box and now I'm doing stats. So I have to sit next to Tommy and Chad and I would I would catch myself like listening to their commentary and not and not doing my job because that's how good they are. Like they drew me into it. They are. And you know, it's funny because I think part of it is because they're radio guys. Yeah, and radio guys are used to painting a picture, mm-hmm. and they describe the action and tell a story. And on radio, with football, you can't have any dead air. Yeah. So when you have guys that are like that, that can carry a conversation, that was one of the things that struck me about Tommy. You know how good somebody is on radio, not by how they do play by play, but how they do rain delays in baseball. To me, that right there, how you handle an hour of nothing. And Tommy, right then, when I first heard the first rain delay on on radio, man, that guy can carry a show by himself for an hour Mm -hmm. and keep you interested. And I think both of those guys have that ability. And then you add the action of TV. You know, they may have, like, you know, I watched the other night on a national broadcast and the announcers don't say anything and it's almost one of those things where okay great i love watching football but i still want to like if i'm doing laundry because i'm an adult now and that's terrible (laughs) kids don't grow up don't be an adult but when i'm doing things i still want to hear the action and you know in college we'd always do that we'd mute espn and put on the radio broadcast and so having tommy and chad i i think they add that element to it where they really can describe what's going on. And I, again, I just, I love them and I'm jealous of, of their job. So yeah, they're both super, super talented. Yeah. They're, they're great. I'm glad Tommy's still in town. I, I swear he's going to get swooped up by some major league team sometime and he's gone. So please, yeah. Tommy stay. <laughs> all right, Josh. Well, that's all I've got. So uh, well, thank you very much for coming on the show. This was really fun. This was fun. And I, man, time flies. Yeah, um, it really does. We've been talking for almost an hour. Holy cow. Yeah. Jeez. I, who would know that I got paid to talk? <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, uh, listen to the Derek Dime experience. I do. So keep listening and the nerd cave. That's a good one.
And that concludes this week's episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. Thanks once again to Josh Gay for coming on for that really fun conversation. And next week, we will continue our look into the Pensacola Blue Wahoos with Creative Service Manager and my boss, Adam Waldron. You will definitely want to tune in for that one. And don't forget, you can follow the show on Twitter at DDiamondExp, like us on Facebook at The Derek Diamond Experience, and you can follow me personally on Twitter at Derek underscore Diamond. And that'll do it. See you guys next week.